You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. It's Motormania. I'm Tom Urquhart, in for Damer, who's away. Uh, and I am joined this hour by the award-winning automotive journalist, um, a pioneer uh, and an ambassador of the automotive industry, Imtishan Gyada, joining us live here in Studio Morning, MT. With an intro like that, I cannot fail but live up to expectations. Well, it's well, just because I thought, you you, you know, we, we, we missed you last week. I did. I was not here last week. No. And I, I feel know like if I you left you with no... Yeah, I don't know if you and him had had a fallout or what was going on. You yeah, know? behind the scene, there's all sorts of turmoil. It's a royal <laughs> sea. <laughs> He'd gazumped you on a car sale or something like that. You know, I didn't know what oh, was no, going on. Oh, no, I never on. buy a car from Noel. No, for sure. <laughs> He's always selling a car. I love Noel. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, Noel, if you're listening, uh, uh, we are missing you this week. But thank you very much indeed uh, for sending through. In fact, we will be hearing from uh, Noel a little later on. Uh, he might not be here in person, but certainly in spirit today. Anyway, we've got MT and we are... Uh, we've got lots to catch up on because basically we haven't spoken for a month. So what has Empty been up to? Let's check out uh, what Mr. Gerdo has been driving. And you've been driving the Civic Type R. I wouldn't say I've been driving it because nobody's driven it yet. Ah. But however, I do have the hot news, which is I think I know what the price is going to be. Unfortunately, nobody will confirm it yet because it's only going to arrive in the showrooms on February 4th at Festival City. For those of you who are wondering, the Civic Type R is the fastest Civic Type R. It's got a 2-litre engine, turbocharged, 315 horsepower. It's the fastest Civic that's ever been made. Mm. And I know that sounds like, why would you do that? But if you've driven a Civic, it's kind of like the Porsche 911 of Civics. Basically, it's been honed by Honda's motorsport team to an absolute loss. I think I drove of FK8, which was the previous version for a little thing I did with Honda years ago. And I have to say, it's one of the best cars I've ever driven. Really? Regardless whether it's a Porsche or, or Mercedes or whatever, the, the, that little Honda was absolutely amazing. And this Civic Type R, which from what I have very, very informed friends in the know who basically said, you know what, that car is even better. However, you're going to pay for it. Yeah, and has that always been the thing? Price tag has always been a little bit north of the mark? Yeah. So, actually, it wasn't. Civics were pretty well-priced cars. The Type R has been sold in the Middle East for an extremely long time, actually going way back to 2009 which is not a long time, but it is a long time. And it used to be around 90,000 dirhams. However, this one, and the price I have is not confirmed, but I think it's a pretty good guess, 207,000 dirhams. Okay. That's ambitious. That is very ambitious. It's more than a VW Golf R, you know, which is sort of the hot hatch benchmark. I mean, hot hatches don't really sell out here that much because there's people just don't buy them. They go straight for the big fast cars like Mustangs or whatever. Mm. I like hot hatches. They're practical. If anybody from the UK will know exactly why a hot hatch is cool. And the Type R is the absolute king. That price, though. But let me put it like this. I don't want to sound like a Honda salesperson, but this is once in a lifetime because they're never going to make cars of this again. This is the last time and this is the last one. If you want it, go and get it. Because anything else, it's going to be a used car after this. Simple mm. as that. So buy it new, enjoy it new. Uh, that's the Civic Type R. Let's move on to the Toyota, the Toyota GR Supra and the GR86. Sports so car? Sports car, both twin sports cars. And I think this is really interesting because Toyota kind of makes transport. And they make great transport. I own a Toyota. But they're not known for exciting cars in this market. They used to back in the day, but now they're slowly 
slowly coming back. GR Supra, of course, is the BMW-led remake of their classic sports car. Again, almost 400 horsepower, rear-wheel drive, great-looking thing. It's been on the market for a few years. Toyota 86 is the value version of that, basically a tiny little two-and-a-bit-liter boxer engine. So the 86 was on sale for years. It went off for a bit, and now it's coming back. This is the news. The 86 is coming back. The Supra is already here, but the Supra is now getting a manual. So between them, you've got two manual rear-wheel drive coupes in the market. Do you remember, Tom, when people used to drive coupes? Like young people, the first thing they got their paycheck is they went I and do, bought a yeah. coupe. Yeah, yeah. Now, what do they go and buy? They go and buy SUVs Jeep. or they buy Jeeps. They go off-road. But you know what? Put them in a coupe because they learn how to drive. Yeah. They learn car control. They learn, frankly... What is, what is important at that age is a looking good, not having practicality, and just having fun. Mm. Yeah, and it's and it, and it's a sort of badge of honour, isn't it? As you say, it's cars should be that sort of thing. And I think I noticed this when I'm doing school pickup with my kids and things like that. And and, and my my daughter's just passed her driving uh, um, uh, license, uh, well, driving test. So she's got a driving license now. She's just passed eighteen. Uh, but I noticed it during the school pickup the other day. You know, kids coming out of sixth form driving. Range Rovers and, 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 and Lexus I mean, SUVs and things like that. And once, exactly. Once you start in a Range Rover, what's next? A Rolls Royce. Actually, I know people who have done that and good for them. But I think, you know, luxury is kind of an old person thing. I but, think at a young age, you should have a slightly uncomfortable car that makes your friends go, let's go out and have a party, basically. But only two of them, not too many of them. But it's that, yeah, and it's, it's the same as like houses, isn't it? You know, you start small and the, the, the more money you make or the more successful you get, the, as your career progresses, your house gets bigger and as the family gets bigger, the house gets bigger, etc. Um, cars should be the same as well. Cars should excite you. And that's you what should I, get a banger at the beginning. Yeah, well, you know what? If you're getting a kid, uh, car for your kid, Absolutely a banger. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Don't get them anything nice. Get them something they will bash into mall car parks and hopefully not other cars and or people. But the reality is that these cars should excite you a little bit because the worst thing you can do is put them into something that's kind of boring. Actually, it's probably the best, but they should actually take, a, they'll, they'll buy them a boring car and let them make it exciting. Let them drive it a little bit too quickly, etc. and learn the basics, but don't give them anything fast like a Civic Type R because they will hurt themselves. So it's a manual Supra. Um, yep, took a lot of effort to get that done because Toyota doesn't make changes, but they are going to do a manual Supra. And the 86 is manual as well. And again, I'm of the very limited opinion here that everybody should learn to drive manuals from a young true. age. Car control, pure car control. I know traffic, blah, 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 Sharjah, blah, blah, blah. But I drive a manual every day and I don't complain. They're both Toyotas, they're both GRs. One's a Supra, one's an 86. Which one's better? Well, if you're going to university for the first time, get the 86. Not too fast, not dangerous. Um, you know, you can just modify it, put some nice wheels on it, with slightly fruity exhaust, that sort of thing. If you are sort of middle management, late 30s, early 40s, get the Supra. Basically, it's a nice alternative to buying a Porsche, a Boxster, not an I-11. I-11 is way more expensive. By the way, interesting fact, the Supra and the Civic Type R are almost the same price. Are they? Yeah, so which one do you get? The less practical coupe or a hatchback with proper five, do five seats and an actual boot? The choice is yours at the moment. Listen, we were asking you, quizzing you about what you've been up to over the last uh, four weeks, absent uh, without leave uh, last time. Uh, but uh, your dear friend, Noel, did point to the fact that you might have been across the border over in Oman. You're doing a bit of driving at the moment. I did a very long 4,000 kilometre trip across Oman and our Omani neighbours, I have to say, absolutely 
lovely country, incredible scenery, very hospitable, um, quite affordable actually, surprisingly mm. so. I mean, once you leave Muscat, luxury accommodations tend to fall by the wayside. <laughs> um, food options definitely drop by the wayside, but it's all healthy, fresh and great. And seafood is amazing. Thing is though, it depends what you want. Oman is, Oman's kind of like a uh, choose your own adventure kind of holiday. Do you want to sit by the beach? No problem. The beaches, you can just pull up any side of the road, incredible beaches. You can have great luxury resorts in the center of the country in places like Hamra, etc. You can have amazing luxury experiences. Or you can go seriously off-road into the wadis, into the sand. Um, the Wahiba sand is a great journey to make. It'll take you about a full day to do, but it's incredible because you cross from the interior and come out on dunes, and I say on dunes, that are the size of Karama. Wow. Huge, immense dunes. I make the one in Dubai look minuscule. Massive shelves of sand. And then they roll down into the sea. Absolutely stunning experience. Um, and talking of road trips, is it true that there's a new road that's been opened to Jebel Jace? Uh, not that I am aware of. The Jebel Jace road is still one of the busiest and slightly more careful roads you have to be on just mm. because people with fast cars like to go fast up it, which they should behave themselves, but they don't always do. Mm. So I would say Jebel Jace is exactly with the same road as always. Have caution. The, the reason being, we've got a few details coming through about this new uh, ring road, which passes through Wadi Hakil area, connecting oh, to the Emirates Road. I am not informed, in which case I have no information on this, but I imagine it makes the journey to the Jebel Jace Road uh, a lot easier to get to. This, uh, I'm, I'm well informed. I'm not well informed. Zina's told me. Uh, she's told me that this is an 8.6 kilometre road, takes only four minutes, reduces travel time, by 75% when compared to the old route as well. Great news, therefore, one would assume for Ras al-Khaimah tourists if you're heading north. I, I, yeah, I mean, getting to Jebel Jace, one of the issues is the distance, right? So it's right. a long hop. It's about an hour. 75% is a significant number. And once you get there, it seems like there are loads of things to do apart from just going up to the top. Yeah, exactly that. Right, listen, we're going to have more from MT in just a few moments' time. Uh, more here on Motormania as well. More car news. And we'll also be hearing from the uh, errant Noel Ebden in just a few moments' time. You're listening to Motormania live on Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. The UAE's number one talk radio station. Motomania. My name's Tom Urquhart. Uh, well, I'm in for Demo. Demo's back, we're told, uh, in the middle of February. So you've got me for another, uh, in another fortnight. Uh, and then, of course, Demo back mid-February. Joined, though, uh, worry not, by our automotive expert, Imtushan Giardo, who is alongside me. And we've been... We've been sort of trying to work out where uh, the errant one, Mr. Noel Ebden, is. One of the ma- one of the members of the gang is missing at the moment, uh, but he has been a good boy and he has sent his coursework through to us. He's filed uh, his missing persons report. So, Noel Ebden, what have you been up to? Hey, everybody! Sorry, I can't make this week, but I am driving Ram trucks in the Elaine Desert. I've also been out riding with Honda on the Africa Twin in the Northern Emirates, and I've been messing about in a stunning 1960s Chevrolet Chevelle SS from the guys at Day's Classic Car Rentals. We'll be looking at all of that in the very, very next show. 
But the big news, of course, was last weekend's Dubai 24-hour race at Dubai Autodrome. There were some great stories up and down the grid, as always. But the big news was the participation of MotoGP star Valentino Rossi with his BMW M4 GT3 car. We had 53 cars on the entry list, but only 52 started. So that just shows you how hard endurance racing is, as one car didn't even make the start. 43 finished, so we lost nine more along the way. Uh, there were some big shunts early on in the race. There was a Porsche 911 went off heavily and a few others joined them later on and a few fires and a few other dramas that went on as well, as is the way of endurance racing. But the race was eventually won by number seven BMW M4 GT3 of Team WRT, who did an amazing 621 laps. It's the 18th time a German manufacturer has won the race and it just shows how dominant the German brands are of uh, endurance racing. Car 91, Porsche 911, finished in second from Herbeth Motorsport. And Valentino Rossi, there he is again, finished third overall. So clearly the man can drive as well as ride at a very top level. I am not jealous at all, honestly. I do wish he'd uh, perhaps let someone else have a go, but there you go. Gotta love Valet. I'll be back on the next show and I'll tell you all about that news about the Rams and the motorbikes and how to hire a classic car in Dubai. Plus, I'll have an important F1 announcement as well. Well, it's actually important to me rather than anybody else. But anyway, I'll fill you in next on the next show. Oh, he is a tease, isn't he? Eh? Uh, so he's left us with a cliffhanger there. Um, and obviously, I love that sort of, um, you know, the downplaying. You, you, you love motorbike men, don't you? you the, the, where they downplay. No, uh, 24, I don't. <laughs> 24 hour race. Oh, yeah, there were a few fires, some big crashes, you know. But that's just standard, isn't it? Absolutely. That's just the part and parcel of the motorsport, the autodrome. And I have to say, amazing. 18 times a German manufacturer has won. That's absurd, isn't it? When's yeah. anybody else going to get a chance? Yeah. Uh, and good to see Valentino Rossi here as well. Valet. Apparently they're on first time terms now. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, look at that. Just drop the old mic on us there, No, Why not? That's yeah. for sure. A um, couple of other things he pinked into there. Rams in the desert. I, I used to own a properly pimped out off-road Ram and I have to say they're really good off-road trucks. The TRX is their big 700 horsepower supercharged mega monster truck and it goes up anything, anywhere. So I think it's, people have changed their perceptions because in the old days, well, it was either Land Cruiser or Patrol, wasn't it? Or Wrangler if you were a little bit sort of more budget but aggressively minded, shall I say. And now it's pickup trucks. Mm. It's Fords, it's... It is the Rams and the Chevys as well have always been the sand, but they've been kind of quiet about it. But now everybody's buying pickup trucks and they can kind of see why. They're powerful, they're spacious, and they can take a bunch of stuff. So you they, see them everywhere now. Everywhere. And even in the old days, and I'm talking the 90s, nobody drove a pickup truck. Why would you? You didn't work on a farm. You didn't work you know, on the, on the fishing industry. Why would you drive a pickup truck? Uh, and they were impossible to park. Well, they're still impossible to park, but the difference is now they're a lifestyle purchase. Mm. I, um, I, I'm going to be a little bit contentious here, but yeah, no, it's not my show. It's, not, it's Damo's show. So if it gets taken off air before he gets back, then so what? Okay. Damien's problem. Damien's problem. <laughs> he can deal with it. Um, I blame for the increase in popularity in these, in these big pickups, these big rigs, as they call them, pilots. That's why I blame. Pilots. And the reason for that, the thinking behind that is, so my friend, uh, all, all three of my kids have a lot of mates whose parents uh, work as pilots. And so they live in these sort of communes, you know, Maidan South and the other communes that, uh, that, that the Emirates pilots work in. And you go in there and it might as well be a rig showroom. Why is that? Keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> 
but what are they doing with these pickup trucks? <laughs> Towing A380s. So it's like sort of a fungus. It just keeps growing all over these various communes. But I think there is a value to it. If you've got a kid, two kids, right, and you've got to tow stuff like a kayak or a boat or a jet ski, yeah, pickup truck. Is there an element as well, and we were just talking about this with Naz with his fix it or flip it, of, you know, and, and we are all very conscious of the fact that electric vehicles, we're going to be talking about electric vehicles with Adam in just a few moments' time. Um, that is happening. There ain't you know, getting away from it. But we live in a part of the world where fuel is not inexpensive, but it's not as expensive as it would be in other parts of the world. It's the last chance, maybe, that you can genuinely justify having a big rig, a big engine and makers of noise. It is last days of Pompeii, isn't it? I think <laughs> at the end of it all... I have loads of people who used to come into our office from the UK and their first car was like, I need to buy a Golf GTI because that's what you dream of if you're yeah. in the UK, yeah. right? And I said, no, no, don't bother. I mean, you have your whole life to get a Golf GTI or electric version or whatever. Get a pickup truck, get a muscle car, enjoy something. Get a Wrangler and take the roof off. Mm. Enjoy. Petrol is not expensive and for the foreseeable future, we hope it stays that way. But I think that experience you get of a big rumbly V8 and charging through the dunes in a giant pickup truck with your friends, you can't have that anywhere else in the world. And you can, despite the parking issues, you can park a rig in many places, in no, many more places. Learn. <laughs> you learn. Like your daughter is learning to park cars. <laughs> well, well, that's debatable at the moment. Uh, but that's for, a, yeah, that's for a, a little chat around the dinner table later. Uh, let's get on to some of the other news as well. Noel, thank you very much indeed. Catching up with you in a fortnight's time. Um, Rishi Sunak, naughty Rishi, uh, the Prime Minister of the UK, maybe obsessed with maths, we're told, but he certainly can't be bothered with traffic rules. Uh, the British PM has been fined for not wearing a seatbelt in a moving car while filming a social media video. Here he is. Hi, one of my New Year's promises to you was to grow the economy. And today we're announcing the second round of allocations from our levelling up fund. And that's about investing in local areas in order to create jobs and help deliver on that promise to boost growth. You can see he's not wearing a seatbelt in the video. You can see he's in a car. You can see uh, that he's out there aiming to promote the government's latest round of levelling up spending. Uh, levelling up maybe, but no buckling up. PR nightmare. Absolutely. And you know, the moment I crossed over into Oman, it's like all seatbelt decorum had gone through the window. I saw people pretty much running around in cars and kids out the windows, out the sunroof. And you know what? That's the way things used to be out here. And I'm so glad the government cracked down on that and made sure everybody front and back needs to be wearing their seatbelts. And the back seat is where the biggest offenders are. Because how often do you get in your taxi and like, okay, I don't feel like buckling up? Yeah. Well, you should. Yeah. Well, and, and that's something that you, you, again, you sort of take for granted with older cars, isn't it? If you get into uh, one of the RTA, Kareem cars, etc., um, you're not going to be asked to buckle up. It is therefore a personal choice. I, though, however, got into a Kareem car. I was, I was coming up here. The car was in the garage. Uh, Kareem very kindly sent me one of their Teslas because um, I spent so much money with Kareem, obviously. Um, and you have no choice but to buckle up in the back because... Unless, oh, does it bong? Because it bongs. Oh, it bongs and beeps. Yeah. And, that's, and it's not, nothing to do with the people but if they're not buckled up in the front. They're it's not bonging. The, the car's bonging, just to be clear. The car's bonging. Um, uh, it bongs in the back. I think that's brilliant. I think that's absolutely the case. Because people forget that, you know, if you have an accident, you suddenly become... If the car stops from, say, 100 to zero, well, the person buckled stays with the car, but you're unbuckled and you keep moving at 100. 
and you will either go through the windshield or into the seat in front of you. People have said this to me, oh, I'll just get stopped by the seat in front of me. Do you really want to be stopped by the seat at 100 kilometers per hour? Mm. I don't think so. Uh, whilst we're on that, John's listening out there this morning. John, thank you very much indeed for your text message. John asks this, uh, morning all, look, not really related, but why are drivers here so interested in rubbernecking, looking at accidents, forget their driving, and then, of course, crash into each other? Just sat in Alcos, trying to get a series of crashes and due, get through a series of crashes exactly due to this. Why is it such an issue here? I take kind of issue with the idea, and thanks, John, for your message. I think that it's only here. Because I used to think, oh gosh, it must be a thing about the Middle East, etc. And people, all these cultures that can't really figure out why a car crash is so interesting. But I was over in America and I saw a car crash and people rub a neck over there as well. So it doesn't matter where you are. What is it about human nature that makes us just want to know what's going on? And I have no answers for that apart from don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, help us all. Uh, right, what have we got coming up for you? Uh, we are speaking all things electric vehicles. Why? There's one company that has converted thousands of delivery bikes into electric vehicles. And uh, there are plans to make these EVs right here in the Emirates. We'll be joined by One Moto's founder, Adam Ridgeway, waiting patiently in the green room as we speak. Uh, plus, a lot more to look forward to after that. It's me, Tom Urquhart, joined by Imtishan Giado, right here on Dubai I-103.8. It is Motor Mania. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Motor Mania on Dubai I 103.8. You're listening to Motormania live here on Dubai I 103.8. My name's Tom Merkin. I'm in for Damo. He's away. He's in his uh, home country of Australia working on cars, apparently. Uh, this is Motormania on Dubai I 103.8. Imtishan Gyado is uh, live with us here in studio. Uh, Imti, all good? All well? After all, the first whistle on talking terms? All well. Still mm. with no. We've just been promoting gas guzzling uh, rigs and our next Completely guest. Completely on PC. Our next guest might have something to say about that one because, uh, listen, there is no shortage of discussions, conversations about all things electric vehicles and we usually talk about models released by the big car makers the big auto manufacturers, the big brands as well uh, this though is a new look a completely different angle in terms of EVs. We're talking mass transport and delivery vehicles. Adam Ridgway is the CEO of One Moto, an electric motorcycle company, and he's got some exciting news for us. Always good to catch up with Adam. He's taken the time out of a Saturday morning uh, to join us here in studio. Morning, mate. All good? Yeah, really well. Thank you so much. I feel like I've made it when I get <laughs> onto Motormania. This is this is the pinnacle P of my career. Pinnacle, absolute pinnacle of your career. The only reason I'm here is because because uh, Damo's uh, got stuck down in, uh, in, uh, in Australia. So it's good to see a familiar face. Great to have you with us Thank here. You. So what's this big news? Well, there's a, there's a little bit of big news um, from One Moto. So we've been going for around three years now, and it's been a bit of a slog. And, you know, we've had the pandemic for a couple of years, but we've just been sort of niggling away at bringing change to this last mile. And we've had customers like Avis, Carrefour, um, Amazon, Talabat, Instashop have all now started to adopt delivery bikes. And there was one bit of news that I was really, really hoping to share, but the lawyers, the contracts are with the lawyers, so I can't announce <laughs> it just yet. Well, not until the 30th, but we have just... Just before you say that, Go though, on. I mean, just to sort of put this one into context, you know, in terms of the conversion process, and, you know, we're talking about people who do a lot of work on traditional cars, etc. What's the benefit to the 
to the to the environment? I mean, in terms of CO two as well, how much CO two are we cutting if a petrol bike is converted to an EV? Well, we don't convert vehicles. We build EVs from scratch. So if you take the 92,000 delivery bikes that are on the roads in Dubai right now, they are killing 245,000 acres of forest each year. Or it would take that amount of trees grown for 10 years to sequester that amount of um, CO2. And so it's incredibly significant. And everyone thinks that motorcycles, two wheels, are ignore them in terms of the CO2 emissions. Mm. But they're actually 50 times more harmful to the environment through the hydrocarbons produced than uh, buses and SUVs. They're, they're 50, so they're 50 times more. They pollute around 4.6 tonnes per delivery bike per year, based on around 60,000 kilometres. So the environmental impact is significant and that's just 92,000 in Dubai there's 37 million in India 20 million in Pakistan 1.3 million in the UK so it really is a massive problem that we're addressing and and kudos to the likes of InstaShop tell about the aforementioned and there hopefully others will look at the successful um, transfers to or moves over to electric and other delivery platforms will do the same what about the big sort of um, uh, car rental a- agencies, the, your, your Avises, etc. Are they doing similar or not? Yeah, so Avis, um, just towards the end of last year, announced a commitment. And the, the headline was um, that they were going to adopt 25,000 EVs into their fleet this mm. year. So they, they're there. They're ready to support anyone in the market, whether it's the end customer, whether it's supermarket chains or the aggregators or the three PLs, so third-party logistics, they're ready to support that switch to EV. Um, there's various other other companies that are also looking um, to make that switch, but it's a transition. It doesn't have to be adopt thousands or your entire fleet all at once. It's about that transition, doing it doing it gradually, but at least you're making that motion towards change. Mm. Enough about them. Yeah. Let's talk about you, yeah, more about on. you, because you and the team have been, uh, the One Moto team have been out there fundraising as well, a uh, successful round of, of fundraising. Um, what are you doing with the money, though? Is it in the back pocket at the moment? Yeah. <laughs> it's a big back pocket. So 150 we, mil, is that right? It's £123 million okay. pounds sterling, so $150. Uh, yeah, what we've done is, unfortunately, it's not f- for deployment in the UAE mm. because of the financing rules and regulations but we've been working with a financier in the uk for about 10 months and we uh, raised an asset finance um, volume of 123 million pound which allows us to then really focus on decarbonizing the last mile vehicles uh, deliverer in the uk of 60,000 riders but it works as an economy very very different to how it does here because you'll have a 3PL that has the vehicles, the visas, the riders and the manpower and all the other sundries that go along with it. Whereas the gig economy in the UK and other parts of the world is very freelancer or contractor model. Mm. So it allows us with that fund to be able to lease those vehicles to the end customers for £3 a day. And when they're getting paid sort of 350 to £5 per delivery, then they know that within one to two deliveries, they're at break even every other delivery is profit thereafter. So it's a significant motion towards making change in the UK. And with that model, we're now looking to raise um, the asset finance ability 
to deploy that throughout this region. Extraordinary. MT, your reaction? I think it's an incredible, incredible movement and change and well overdue. In terms of production, how are we looking at producing this many vehicles? What's the plan? Absolutely. So our current production capacity is between three and 10,000 vehicles a month. And within a very short amount of time, we're going to be announcing a factory that's going to be producing the vehicles in the UAE. Brilliant. And it is very, very exciting. I can't, can't begin to tell you how long we've worked on it, but it's also about selecting the right partners. Mm. And the partners that we've got um, and the, the legal team obviously take their, take their time. But once they make that commitment, they're all in. So it really allows us, especially with COP28, but that aside with the World Future Energy Summit and the forums that went on last week, we've got a position to really demonstrate that the UAE take action before COP28. Because over the past couple, it's all about talking, we should be doing this, we will be doing this, but where's that commitment? But any of the, within that tapestry of sustainability, the UAE make those commitments and those pledges and really work towards it. And we're just happy to be a part of But that. it's interesting because they make those pledges. And obviously, you mentioned COP28, hosting COP28 as well. But also, one of the other big drives towards the end of last year, reiterated again at the beginning of this, is is the is the drive from the, the leaders here to get more manufacturing, more made-in-the-UAE goods here. And that ticks the box, surely. Absolutely. It's... It's been quite difficult to navigate because you've got the Operation 300 billion that was announced. You've got Made in the Emirates that was announced and there was an um, exhibition up in Abu Dhabi um, towards the end of last year. And it's trying to access the right people to yeah. discuss that. And with when I set uh, One Moto up around 2016 is when I first started developing. It was, how can I build a business that doesn't require third-party intervention so or government intervention because it is a, it's a behemoth to try and navigate. So I thought if we can just carry on doing our bit and sort of really making that, that progression, then as well as making a noise and obviously being on radio with you guys, it then has other people realise that we're actually trying to do something and then that's that sort of pull market of interest. Yeah. And, um, and it's, yeah, it's allowed us to, so, to, to grow organically. We're now in... 21 territories, six countries. So we've really taken this UAE startup mm. into LATAM, Africa, GCC, Asia, um, with other assembly plants being built. Capacity? Can you talk capacity yet in terms of what you could do a year? Yeah, it's around 120,000 units. Um, that's just in the UAE. We've got another 120,000 in Sri Lanka, which is a, um, a, an assembly plant that's going to be breaking ground later this quarter. We're speaking about in the UK as well, um, as well as Argentina. So every every territory we open up or every country we open up, we look at how can we domesticate that supply chain, making sure that we can provide jobs directly as well as by proxy and really supporting that that um, sort of reverse engineering of domestically produced vehicles, reducing our sustainable footprint mm. or increasing our um, the positives that go with it. MT, we need more of this. Absolutely. It's been long overdue. I'm really curious to see as well if there are any differences for the riders in terms of riding these bikes, etc. Will there be any significant changes in the way they ride? I mean, people use electric bikes are thinking things like Harley-Davidson, Livewire, really fast, big bikes. But these are much more practical, utilitarian motorcycles, correct? Absolutely they are, yeah. They're, they're very, very different. Um, they're, if you take the, the, the Vespa, 
as the the bike and the brand that I respect tremendously. I've had them in London, all over the world. Wherever yeah. I've lived, I've always had a Vespa. I even had a Vespa here for seven years with all Must the lights and the mirrors. It was all mods. It was amazing. So when um, <laughs> these vehicles with the riders, there's they're not complaining about the neck, wrist and back pain that they currently have with the petrol bikes, just through the ergonomics. So they are different to ride. They're a step, a step through moped as opposed to a step over motorcycle or petrol um, delivery bike. So they are, they are significantly different. But once you actually get to ride them, some of the riders, in fact, most of the riders have said they don't want to switch back to petrol. So that's a tremendous um, positive and encouragement for us. And then it also means that those customers are now having riders come to them because they're saving on the fuel costs. Speaking of fuel, ride, um, charging time, range? Yep, range is between 120 and 150 kilometers um, per charge or per battery. You can swap out the batteries. We've got a range of um, battery swapping stations that are being deployed. And the speed is around 85. Although I'm a big guy, I get 94. Some of the delivery riders get 103. But we advertise at 85 because that's the optimal um, that's the optimal range and the charging time 70% in an hour or three hours for a full charge at a standard household socket. So again, alleviating the need for separate charging stations. Adam, are you okay for 10 minutes? You good yeah. with it? Perfect. Um, we've got Adam Ridgway with us here in studio. Plus, in a few moments time, a 17-year-old student wanting you to find a quality garage within your area. So he made an app for that. There is an app for that. This is Motor Mania. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. The UAE's number one talk radio station. Thanks for your messages. Keep them coming in. This is Motormania on a Saturday morning. Uh, Tom in for demo at the moment. We've got a cast of thousands uh, with one common interest. Uh, getting from A to B in a vehicle or on a vehicle. Be that electrified, uh, be that uh, we're full of petrol. Uh, that's the big discussion here at the moment. Uh, we've got Imtishan uh, Gado alongside me, the automotive uh, journalist. All good, Imti? All is amazing. Good. Uh, we've also been joined by Adam Ridgway, who's the CEO of One Moto, who's just been telling us about their exciting news uh, and exciting times as well. Questions have been coming in for Adam uh, about this one. Here's one from one of our listeners. Interesting uh, news from Adam, says our listener. Uh, aside from the delivery vehicles, are you thinking of any other types of transport that you could use the same technology for? Well, it just so happens that we, although 90% of our business is focused on the last mile and bringing that change, we've got domestic private passenger um, motorcycles as well, mopeds. So we have three in a range. We've got biker, which is the delivery bike, commuter, which is the um, the sort of modern design of a moped. And then we have elector, which is that classic vintage looking uh, moped as well. We also have e-bikes and an electric delivery van. So mm. we've got 12 different vehicle form, uh, sorry, 12 different models within the vehicle forms. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's all going, and especially you mentioned earlier, COP28. I mean, conversations ongoing with COP28 and One Moto at the moment? There are, it's actually not with the COP28 officials, because um, there's a lot of news that's just been announced over the past week and obviously have been very busy. But we work so closely with the government nice. from RTA, DTC. Yeah. And I think we have to and we should do as well. The ministry or MOIAT, um, ESMA. There's loads of other acronyms uh, that we work really closely because it's not about a private company that are trying to bring change. You need everyone involved 
to really make this happen. Mm. And there's so many benefits. Like not everyone cares about the environment. That's that's okay for now. Mm. Um, but everyone cares about the commerciality of it and the rider welfare and the safety and the data. So we need to speak to as many different parties um, to communicate that narrative. Yeah, well, uh, it's good to have you here answering these questions. Keep them coming through as well. Exciting times uh, for the electrification of vehicles. Exciting times, uh, given, of course, as we found out yesterday, what's this year? It is the year of sustainability. COP28 as well to wrap things up. It's going to be a fascinating year. Now, question. A question coming through for uh, all of our guests, really. A question we often get asked here on Motormania. Where's a good garage that gets good work done and won't rip me off? Uh, we can't always give recommendations. More often than not, it's through word of mouth and we're willing to travel even outside the Emirate or residents go to a garage that a friend has recommended. Imti, it's, it's a question that crops up a lot. Any advice of how you choose a good, reliable garage? consistently I get asked this almost and more than any other question except maybe Mustang versus Camaro which is the most obvious question or Blank Cruiser versus Patrol how do you choose a garage choose one that's transparent and tells you right up front how much a job is going to cost etc um, are they clean are they straightforward do they finish things on time these are the basic things but it is a bit of a shot in the dark isn't it mm, it is a bit well one man well, I said one young man who... Uh, is he a man? He's, 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 certainly, he's a man in my eyes at the moment with an idea like this, that's for sure. 17-year-old Dubai student encountered exactly the same quandary. He couldn't find a quality garage, just passed his test. What did he do? Well, he did what every uh, entrepreneurial 17-year-old should do, make an app for that. We're joined live in studio by Dhruv Agrawal, creator of the Car Care app. And also a current student at Gems Wellington International School. So let's get this one right first and foremost, Drov. When did you get driver's license? So actually, I'm 17, so I still haven't got my driver's license yet. Right, OK. So you haven't got your driver's license, not driving yeah, at the moment. Yet. So why the interest in cars? So I've always been a car lover, like even though I can't drive, of course. I've always loved cars and I've been super interested in cars. And uh, one time when I was driving with my parents to a garage, I realized, you know, there's, it's a really long drive. The garages are far out of the city. And I was wondering if this process could be made easier, if it could be made a lot easier to find a garage. So that's what Car Care, the app I created, does. So parents um, looking for reliable garage, uh, they've got an entrepreneurial 17-year-old goes, you know what, I can develop, I can code an app for that. We're going to build this app. Did you do it alone? Yeah, so I did it alone um, with the help of Google and with the support of my school. So computer science teachers at my school and uh, alone. It took around eight months to code, but yeah, I got it done. It's called the Car Care app. How does it work? So the user signs on. He puts in their details. The user signs, puts in their location and their car model. We have tied up with various garages across UAE. And basically what we do is we look at all the, the garages have given us a list of car models that they service. And we compare that list with the user's car model. And we just generate a list of the car garages that are willing to offer service for the user's car model, sorted by proximity to their location and price. And it's all up to the user. You choose and you choose which garage so you want to service your car. Feedback so far? So the feedback's been good. We've got um, around 80 orders so far. And uh, they've said that uh, it makes it a lot more seamless to find the garage because mm. finding the garage is uh, the difficult part, oh, right? Oh, yes. 
And uh, as we build Google users, Maps and garages and Alcos don't go hand in yeah. hand, do they? Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> even calling sometimes isn't as easy. So as the user, uh, as user reviews are increasing, we're also finding which garages are more reliable and which garages, you know, are 100% of the time they give you the price and that is the price that they charge you. Uh, so, What's yeah. been the reaction from the garages? Have they been open-armed, reluctant, hesitant? So, uh, so we've contacted as many garages as we can, and the garages have been pretty open-armed because for them it's not really much of an issue to... All they have to do is give their details of, their, uh, of the cars they service and the prices that they give. We put it onto our app. The app is almost free promotion for the garages, and we take a small cut from the first service offered from each user that finds the garage through this app. Mm. Um, I would love to say, right, yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm sold, uh, I'm going to be your, uh, I'm going to be your shark for this one, etc. I just don't have the money in the back pocket at the moment. But I, are you looking for funding in order to scale? Yeah, so I'm actually looking for funding Perfect. right now. All right, so give us the pitch, elevator pitch to anyone that's listening out there at the moment. Go, you know what? Drives on to something here. What do you want to say to them? Okay, so uh, I'm sure everyone has experienced this problem. Finding a car garage after the first initial warranty of your car runs out, it is difficult to find which garage you go to. A, a, a value for money and close by garage is difficult to find because the average car uh, holding length in Dubai is around five years and there's a strong secondhand market. And the extended, the initial warranty average length is only around two years. And if you buy a car secondhand, of course, there's generally never any warranty that comes with it. So when you don't have warranty on your car, how do you find a garage? That is exactly the problem that this app solves. Super easy to use and user-friendly. You put in use, uh, download the app, it's free. You put in your details and you have a, list, a huge list of garages which are sorted by location and price. You choose which garage you want, the cheapest one and the one that's closest to you. Book a time, you're put into contact with the garage and you can service your car. The good news is, Adriv, that we do have a shark in the room, uh, the billionaire Imta Shangiado, who is always looking for investment opportunities. Um, uh, jokes aside, is it going to work, Imti? Uh, it's a market that's ripe for disruption, and I wish you the very best, because if I, was, I had the money, I'd invest. I think that's a great idea, and it's a great thing at your age to be thinking along these lines. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, uh, and, but, and Adam, I mean, just uh, I was thinking whilst we are talking that as well, that's a sector of the industry also that's going to have to evolve, isn't it? Especially with the evolution of e-vehicles at the moment. I mean, how many garages out there in Alcos and other parts of town can deal with e-vehicles at the moment? Many? Any? Very, very, very few. In actual fact, we've got something called One Care. And it's a novel way of how we've created video guides on how to replace, how to repair, how to change. And it gives you an exact time and the tools required. So we can upskill, and we have tried this internationally, upskill any motor mechanic to be a one moto EV engineer. And then there's a qualification certification that goes with it. And we're speaking to one um, party that have 119 garages throughout the UAE. Um, or sorry, garage contracts throughout the UAE. So they're looking to upskill all of their um, all of their staff. But at the same time, you need this that supply and demand. Mm. You can't have all these garages trained and then they're not actually servicing because they are EVs. They need mm. so much less that by the time they've had training, if they don't have any vehicles in for six months, they've forgotten things. So that that is a bit of a challenge. And obviously, you've got the supply and demand of the electric cars. You know, the four wheel cars and vans. It's very very difficult to find the right. Um, dealership when mm. sorry the secondary market workshop 
because those principal um, uh, dealerships obviously want to service their electric cars for the warranties because they are so new. Yeah. Uh, And just uh, finally, I mean, uh, from... One entrepreneur, such as yourself, took a took a t- took a bit of a risk back in 2016, setting up One Moto as well, seeing uh, it pay dividends now, and seeing the interest that's been generated. You must like that entrepreneurial spirit they're seeing here. I love it. There's, <laughs> in fact, I was part of the uh, Natural Eco Architect Awards. Were your kids in the? Um, did they go to Repton? They used to, yeah, yeah. Back okay, in the day, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was I was a judge of one of these sustainability yeah. events earlier this week, and you've got these entrepreneurs that are pitching ideas at the age of nine. Yeah. It was just incredible, absolutely amazing. So I implore and encourage anyone to give it a go, but realise that you have to pivot and it will cost you a lot more money than you ever (laughs) realised. Adam, can't thank you enough for uh, e-scootering over here to join us uh, this morning. Thanks so much indeed for your time. Listen, if people want to find out more about all things One Motor, what do they do? It's LinkedIn, um, website, of course, or Instagram, and it's one-moto.com is the the, uh, URL. Congratulations on the funding. All the best with the new initiative. It's going to be a busy and fruitful 23, I'm sure. Very so kind. Thanks, mate. thanks for having me. Good to have Adam with us. Empty, always good to have you, despite Noel abandoning us as well this week. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you. Uh, motoring Middle East or Millimilia. And I'll squeeze in the words. And Empty, always good to see you. And the final plug of the day goes to uh, Driv Agrigwal. Driv, if people want to find out more about Car Care, what do they do? So it's Car Care on the Google Play Store. It'll be up on the App Store very soon. And you can, there's uh, information there. You can download it and please do check it out. Yeah, well, best of luck to you as well. Yeah, congratulations for setting this one up. Uh, well done for the initial success. And we hope it, it becomes an international success. Yeah, and when you are so. as big as Elon Musk, will you come back and talk to us or not? Uh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> even though I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Oh, it will, Drift. We have faith. We have faith. Bless you. Thanks so much indeed. Fix it. Or flip it. Tell us about your car and we'll tell you how much it's worth. It's as simple as that. How does it work? It's really easy. Listen up. Uh, We need the details about your car. Uh, That might be the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. That's the essentials. If there's anything else you can add, then feel free to do so. The more, the merrier in terms of information. Uh, Send all that over now. Text messages to 4001. Or you can do it via the ARM Play app. That's free to download. Uh, Listen, I don't do it alone. I'm not going through my uh, uh, car uh, brochures trying to work out prices for you know we leave that to the experts joined now by automotive entrepreneur Naz Chowdhury uh, ever present here in the Dubai Eye studio uh, Naz how you doing my friend how's it been very well thank you it's good to be back it's good to be back <laughs> in the last couple of weeks you've been a busy guy yeah kids have been back to school so just settling in back to work really you can see Dubai's picking up again can't you yeah indeed mm. yeah so, well I mean I know it's an age-old story, but it's the traffic, isn't it? You know, and yeah, there was a little bit of an ease-off beginning of the first week of January. These last two weeks, though, have been absolutely mental out there on the roads. It's literally the day school start. It just hits you, right? Yeah. Hessa Street, Umsakim Road. You just because all the schools are around the same area, so it really, really backs up. Yeah, it's busy, busy, busy. Mm. Got any solutions for that? Feel free to get in touch with us. Uh, right, what have I learnt this week? In the UK, it's been revealed that the most popular car colour is. Grey? Yes. And it's been that way for a while, actually. Yeah. If you think about it, think of your neighbour's car on either side. One of them's got to be grey or silver. Yeah, that's true. It's been so long since I've been back. It's just one of those colours that it's never been in fashion, but it's never been out of fashion, hasn't it? It's just been one of those neutral, in my opinion, quite boring colours. Does it say something about us Brits? 
Yeah, <laughs> neutral and boring. I'm not going to comment anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, the latest figures showed that more than a quarter, 25.7% of UK buyers chose the colour in 2022 for their new car. Um, what is it in the UAE, Naz? Should we run a poll for that? Or I can actually tell you. I mean, in the UK, straight after grey, with so it's 400,000 cars a year for grey, and then 300,000 for black, and then 268,000 for white. So after grey comes black and then white. Okay. Very interesting. The UAE is quite different. The most popular color on the the most popular car color on the roads here is white. Yeah. And you can see that quite clearly if you yeah. just look out the window. Every other car is white. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. Mainly because of the heat, right? You want to stay. You, you want it to reflects be, the heat. It, it reflects it? the heat a lot, lot better. Yeah. Yeah. I was told that early doors when I arrived said, uh, "Get yourself a white car." Because I've not had one yet, yeah. but um, <laughs> apparently that's the way forward. And cars are so much more colourful here if you just drive down the road. It's like skits. It's like a rainbow, isn't it? Whereas in the UK, it's all. It's fairly dull, to be honest. You know, greys, grey, dark greys, light grey, silver, white, blacks, pastel colours. Have you noticed in the UK, you hardly find like, and if you see a red car, it quite it pops, you know. But here, every other car is like uh, very colourful. So, but from an investment point of view, mm. is that wise? Is it easy, if you go out there and you buy, I don't know, a, a metallic blue car or a maroon car or something like that, yeah. does that limit your sell-on options or not? Yeah, I mean, look, the general rule of thumb is... Um, stick to the neutral colors because that has a larger market audience when you do come to sell the car. So, you know, your blacks, your whites, your grays. Um, think of corporate shirt colors like pastel, boring. They, they're most likely to sell on because they have a much larger audience. However, having said that, sports cars are different, right? You know, mm. if you're into a Porsche or Lamborghini or Ferrari or something a bit more exotic, then electric blues and reds actually sell better mm. because who wants a a silver grey boring pastel ferrari right so it all depends on the car but for for us normal civilians i'd say that the 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 silvers the blacks and the whites are definitely the safest bet in terms of resale value all right let's get into some of the text messages they've started to come in uh, it's simple uh, we are playing fix it or flip it our man is fix it. here or flip it. Uh, you send us the details, text them to 4001 or via the Air and Play app. Okay, let's get to the first of the uh, text messages that are coming in. One from Ahmad, who's got in touch. Ahmad, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Ahmad says, right, I've got a Dodge Durango V6 2016. Black exterior, beige interior, SLE. 116,000 on the clock. Some leakage issues. Oh, you don't want to put that in there. Uh, no warranty. Keep it or flip it. Uh, fix it or flip it, you mean, Ahmed. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Let's hand you over to Naz. It all depends on the type of leakage. Um, when it comes to a car of this age with 100,000 kilometres, you expect a little bit of... Uh Leakage. <laughs> uh, I mean, if it's just it's an age a, thing, isn't it? It, it really is. Yeah. Look, if it's just a coolant leak or something, you'd want to get that addressed immediately because you can very quickly overheat the engine and literally destroy the car. If it's just one of those oil leaks that's gradually getting worse, where you have a little drop of oil on your driveway every other day, then you can probably just uh, you know it's not as urgent of a repair as as a coolant leak. Really. Having said that. Uh, I'd probably move on. You know, it is quite a big car. Um, it's quite underpowered being in 2016. So I think this is going to be the first of issues that come along the way. Um, so my advice would be to sell it and get into something newer. 
in terms of pricing, I'd say around 70 to 75,000 dirhams, somewhere there. Good on you, Ahmad. You have kicked things off in style. You sent us that text message coming through on 4001. And we've got Mark, who's just WhatsApped us on 04871 And we've got Osman, who has uh, called us on 04871 uh, Let's get live to the line and speak to uh, Osman. Good morning to you, Osman. Hi, good morning, Jen. Nice to Thanks hear from you on a Saturday morning. Uh, are you out and about? Are you driving your Lexus? I have. No, actually, I have an issue with it. So it's parked. I'm driving my other car. Okay. So what is uh, Tell us more about the Lexus. We'll tell you what to do with it. Yeah, all right. So I have this, my beloved 2012 LS460L, the long wheelbase version. Uh, full Futaim history, 140,000 driven. Uh, uh, and... Uh, the, so we, I have two issues with it, which are fairly common with the LS460. One is the front suspension control arms; they're expensive to replace. And the other issue is, is the is the brake actuator. This the sorry things may get a little technical. I thought I'll give you a full. Don't worry, we got Nasir. He's <laughs> nodding. <laughs> he can handle it. Uh, all right, okay. Bring it. Uh, so. <laughs> So uh, the, the brake actuator issue is pretty common with the LS460s of, of, of this era. It was replaced previously uh, at the dealership, costed around 15,000 dirhams. Now, three years down the line, it has failed again. I have ABS codes, which I'm in the process of diagnosing. So, I mean, uh, at least I'm looking at, even if I get the second-hand part, I, I believe I'm looking at at least 20,000 dirhams. I, I do love it daily, so I'm in two minds whether to keep it or flip it because I'm, I'm, the used car prices are really high and I don't think in that budget I'll be able to get a a, a car which is in, in this condition, full service history, top of the line with auto, automan and reclining seats and everything. Wow, so awesome. I, I, I oh, just, no, we asked for details. Uh, when it comes to details, I think you've this delivered This has been there. the most thorough, detailed <laughs> one. Thank you, Osman, for that. Honestly, the Lexus LS460 is such an underrated car. I mean, you know, if you compare what was out there back in 2012, you know, this was a competitor to a half a million dirham S-Class, right? So you've got pretty much yeah. like a half a million dirham terms of luxury for a fraction of the cost because today's money something like your car today is worth around 30,000 dirhams so uh, yeah. it's definitely good value for money and I would personally hold on to it now in terms of the brake actuation issue it's a, it, it's something you don't want to mess around with you know with with ABS and safety concerns true, it's not true. something you want to be driving on the road yes your brakes work but god forbid there's an emergency, they won't work. So you don't want to be driving it. Like in terms of repair, you're absolutely right. The brake actuator is an expensive part and it's a common failure on these cars as we both know. The good news is don't limit yourself to Alpha Tame and don't limit yourself to the UA market. If you just get the part number of the ABS control unit, run a quick yeah. search on eBay, I'm pretty sure you can buy that control unit for six, $700 max. That's a couple sure. of thousand dirhams. Get it shipped in. Go to one of the local Toyota uh, Lexus specialists. It needs to be coded and adapted and installed. And uh, get that car back on the road and don't sell it. It's a great car. True. Uh, thank you very much for the advice. And, and, and the thing is, uh, the law, I, I have been driving it for the last three or four years. And apart from all change and brake parts, I haven't spent a penny. So I have this pool of reserve, repair reserve that I can use. <laughs> Very so, wise. Yeah, so I have been there, yeah, but I was in two minds. And the other thing where I need your expert opinion is that what happened in the US, there was a there was an official recall from Lexus and these brake actuators were replaced free of charge and all that. But uh, but but 
Lexus has not been that generous in the UAE. I was wondering if there is a way, like, you know, I can write to them and put pressure that I have already paid once for it. Is there a way you can chip in? Uh, very long shot, not, not sure it's going to work, but, you know, I can refer to the U.S. market wherein they have done it free of charge and perhaps I've done it already once, they may be able to chip in. You don't even have to go that far. If you've got a good working relationship with Alpha Team and you've got a full service history with them, they value you as a long-term client. You know, if you go in there and say, look, this is the situation that I'm in, I've already paid for this part a couple of years ago, even if it's not 100% goodwill, I'm very, very confident they'll be able to give you substantial discounts up to 50% off good if on you y- speak nicely. Good <laughs> on you, Rosman. Uh, go and be nice to all the team at Alpha Team and they'll sort you out. <laughs> uh, I hope that helped. Thank you very much indeed, Osman, for getting in touch with the show. You can text us now on 400. Can you have a say online as well? Right, text messages coming in. Here's another one. This one coming in from uh, Mark, who has texted us on zero four. Uh, sorry, sorry, on 4001. Mark says, uh, hey guys, got a pajama. It's white! 2021, (laughs) 3.8 litre, roof rack, chrome bumpers, front and back, awning, 17,000 kilometres on the clock, perfect condition. Value, please. Uh, Thanks for the description, Mark. You just forgot to tell me whether there's a two-door or four-door. These come in two variants, the shorter wheelbase and the long wheelbase, but depending on which one you have, it could be from 90 to 115, 20,000 dirhams, somewhere there. Uh, this is the Motomania. Yeah, do get in touch, Mark. Just let us know those details as well. I mean, just on that one, yeah. and quicker, we're going to take a little breather in a few moments' time. Do you sell it with the roof rack, etc.? I mean, do people want that? Is it seen as an added bonus? or Definitely sell all your cars with accessories because I've been in a situation before where you take the roof rack off and then what? Yeah. Just sits in your garage for years and years, <laughs> doesn't it? We don't have any right to that at some point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you walk past it every single day. Exactly. So just let it go. Let, let it go. Uh, <laughs> as they said in a Disney movie once, just let it go. All right? Fix it or flip it. Uh, really straightforward. Tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth. How does it work? Easy. We need details about your car. Send us the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. Where do you send it? Text to 4001. Or you can WhatsApp us on 04871 or DM a direct message to at Dubai I 1038FM. Let's get involved. And we've got the automotive entrepreneur Naz Chowdhury doing your fix it or flip it uh, sums this morning. Uh, this one coming through from uh, Yaslam, who's been in touch with us this morning. Uh, Yaslam saying, I have a two, 2011 Porsche Cayenne, 300,000 white pearl car. Uh, every 15,000 kilometre service has been done. No issue with the car, but I'd love to know how much it's worth at the moment. 300,000 kilometres, that's substantial on a Porsche and uh, it's great to see it hasn't given you pr- been giving you problems. Um, in terms of pricing, I'd say it's probably worth around twenty-five to 30,000 dirhams. Now having said that, there's not much else you can buy with that quality. But at the same time, one thing goes wrong on that car now, it could cost you 25,000 to put right. So it's, you're really on the fence here whether you want to fix it or flip it, right? <laughs> Uh, Mertes has been in touch with us. Hey guys, got an Audi. It's Q7. It's 2018 model. Grey, 88,000 on the clock. Love evaluation. Ah, by the way, it's top of the range. Uh, Great car. I'd say around 120, 125,000 dollars. We've also got one from Gilbert who's been in touch saying, Morning all, looking for flipping or fixing my car (laughs) into a pre-owned low mileage. Um, uh, Roundabout or just shy of the 120 thousand mark uh hundred thousand 
120k to 100,000, four by four. That's the sort of uh, area he's looking at at the moment. Uh, wants to know. Uh, maybe Land Rover evoke evoke uh, evoke. Sorry, uh, Porsche Cayenne. Maybe main criteria is a little bit of a headache. Not very expensive to main maintain. So, bit round the houses that one. But over to you. So, it's it's interesting because the Evoque and the Cayenne are almost two different classes. The Evoque is slightly smaller, and the Cayenne is slightly bigger. Um, what I'd rather do is I'd rather downgrade it and make this more fair and say Land Rover Evoque or Porsche Macan. Um, so that's more comparable with the Evoque. And to answer that question, I'd say Porsche Macan. Um, fairly reliable. They come in the normal, you know, smaller two-liter variants or the S, which comes in a three-liter um, V6. But the Porsche Macan, from the experience that I've had with them, great car, drives really well, mm. maintenance is relatively good. And I'd take a Porsche over a Land Rover these days, to be honest. I hope that helps, Gilbert. Thank you very much indeed for the message. That message sent on 4001. Uh, we were talking accessories just a few moments ago, uh, Naz. We were, I was asking you whether uh, if you put accessories on your car, should you take them off when you're looking to sell or do you include? Uh, Naz was very much of the opinion that you keep them on the car because what are you going to do with them afterwards? They're just going <laughs> to sit there gathering dust in the garage um, looking for a new home. Neil's been in touch with a suggestion. I want your thoughts on this now saying, regarding accessories, I have not mentioned them in the offering and then use them as a bargaining tool when the buyer tries to negotiate me down on price. It always works a treat. That's amazing. That is honestly a great idea, Neil. Can you imagine hey, can I have a, a little bit of a discount because I need some tires? Hey, let me throw in a roof rack. Okay, uh, I just want another two, three grand off. Hey, let me throw in, uh, I don't know what, like... The canopy uh, as well. Exactly, just keeps on going. <laughs> I think that's a great idea, Neil. You're onto something there. Uh, good on you, Neil. If you're looking for a sales job, just let us know, alright? <laughs> Sorted. Uh, Alistair's been in touch as well. Alistair, thank you very much indeed for the detailed messages uh, here. FJ Cruiser 2016 extreme 115k on the clock upgraded shocks total chaos upper and lower chaos. control arms <laughs> uh, inbuilt arb compressor arb drawers snorkel all the fruit uh, used in the desert a lot but well looked after i promise perfect service history and good condition not driving the desert for the last two years i'd uh, love to know should i sell or keep it for another five years what should i buy instead this from al Hey, Al, that sounds like a really, really good car. It's a machine. It's been done up really well, um, ready for the desert, although you said you don't use it in the desert that much. My honest opinion would be to keep the car. They've discontinued the FJ Cruiser now, so this thing will not depreciate. The Extreme is the limited top model as well, and it's been modified. I really don't see this car depreciating, and I also don't see it costing anything to run over the next five years. Um, so to answer your final question, you know, if you were to sell this for 90, 100,000 dirhams, what would you buy that's going to be as fun and as head-turning as this and as capable on the desert? And the answer is nothing. Just hold on to this for five years and uh, I'm sure you'd be very happy. Leon's been in touch with us this morning as well. Al, thank you very much indeed for your message. Uh, get those requests in. We're halfway through. Uh, joined by Naz Chowdhury, our automotive ex expert, who's taking your calls, taking your messages as well. And he's providing free advice. I mean, if you went to see Naz on Monday morning, he'd have a consultancy fee that you wouldn't believe for this sort of thing. Running through finance. Uh, he'd be running it through finance, but he gets away with blue murder at the weekend. Uh, so you get some free advice. Take advantage of it. Why not? 
Uh, Leon's been in touch with us. He sent a message through. Two ways you can send messages. You can text on 4001 or, of course, you can WhatsApp on 04871 Here comes Leon saying, I have a 2014 BMW 428i Coupe. It's white, luxury trim, 120,000 kilometres on the clock. Fantastic car. Engine's great, still in perfect nick. Do I sell or rather retain and maintain? Hang on. I like that. Retain and maintain might be the next step. Retain and maintain. Yeah, that's the follow-up to fix it and flip it, isn't it? Uh, Or rather retain and maintain. Also, how much is it worth? It's fully paid off. Um, That's a great car. Um, I'd personally hold on to it if it's not giving you any issues. In terms of today's pricing, you'd say around forty-five to 50,000 dirhams. And honestly, that's a lot of car. Um, 120,000 kilometers, in, in some eyes, that's just being run in, really. It's relatively low mileage. So I'd enjoy that for a few more years. Hope that one helps, Leon, and thank you very much indeed uh, for the message. Uh, And that's your answer. Retain and maintain. Let's do exactly that. Uh, Let's get to Mohammed, who's uh, given us a call. Morning, Mohammed. Morning. How are you? Very well indeed. Happy Saturday. Happy weekend to you. Sounds like you're out and about on the roads of the UA. Beautiful, beautiful day to be out on the roads. The sky is absolutely perfect out there at the moment. So what's your question for Naz? So, Naz, I've got a Nissan Patrol 2017. I've um, done about 120,000 kilometres. It's mostly being used for the school run. I'm wondering whether or not I should maintain this for a few more years or look at sort of uh, getting a more new, a newer model. Uh, thank- well maintained. Sure. Thank you for the call, Mohammed. What, what would you buy instead of this if you were to buy? I'm thinking about getting another version of the Patrol, to be honest. So, just a newer version. Uh, the 22 or 23 version. Yeah, I mean, look, honestly, they're great cars, as, as, as I can tell you, you. You believe in that because you're about to buy another one. Um, it's just about thinking about the value. I mean, right now you're on the peak of the depreciation, and if you to hold on to your car another year or two, it's not going to drop a lot more, right? So, you know, they say general rule of thumb, a car loses, you know, up to 50, 60% of its value in the first three or four years. You've gone through that already. Do you want to go through that painful exercise again? Because ultimately, you're getting the same car, same engine, same reliability, without spending another penny. Perfect. Thank you so much. Mohammed, just a quick (laughs) follow-up on that one. Uh, As a Nissan Patrol driver myself and owner myself, I'm interested uh, to know what your sunroof is saying to you. Apparently, it's making some noise. (laughs) Oh, yes. It's sort of jiggling a bit, so I'm not quite sure what that... It's well-maintained otherwise, apart from a little jiggling on the road at low speed. I don't understand why that... Why that's happening? Can you get that replaced, Naz, or not? Yeah, these things are so annoying, though, aren't they? You know that little <laughs> creaky, jiggly sound. It literally just destroys the drive, right? Like, um, yes. I mean, what I do is, first of all, just get some old-fashioned WD forty or something, spray it in all the little nooks and crannies, and hopefully it goes away. If not, then you know, just you'd have to get changed. But they're not—they're exp- not cheap changing sunroof parts because you'd think that oh, it's just a piece of glass or it's just a little cover. Yeah. But sometimes the whole roof lining has to come out, and then to get the roof lining out, you have to take the A pillars and B pillars out. So before you know it, you have to strip the whole top of the car to get to the sunroof. So uh, luckily, it is a patrol and it's fairly inexpensive and easy to you know. There's lots of people that can do that. Uh, but just just spray some anything on it and see if the quietens down. The other alternative, <laughs> Mohammed, is just whack the radio up even louder and you can't hear it, OK? <laughs> 103.8. Will do. Will do. Good on you. Hope you enjoy your Saturday. Thank you very much indeed for your call uh, and thanks for sending us your message as well. That was Mohammed, uh, a Nissan Patrol owner. Fix it.
or flip it. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's really straightforward. Basically, are you looking to sell your car or are you a bit concerned about your car? Are you looking to cash in on it at the moment? Um, here's, how the, here's the rules of the game. All you need to do is tell us more about your car. We need to make the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. Send all those to 4001 or via the ARM Play app. Uh, Naz Chowdhury with us here today. Naz is over there at the moment. See, there he is over there. Okay. For those, look at social, you get it now. Uh, he's our automotive entrepreneur. He's here to answer your question. He's uh, based here in Dubai. He's been in Dubai for many years now. He knows the market very, very well. He's go-to man uh, for valuations uh, and for finding that dream car as well. Uh, and we get him for an hour every fortnight right here in the Dubai Eye studio to take your calls. So Ben is going to take advantage of that. Morning, Ben. Hey, hi, morning. Morning to you. Happy Saturday. Tell us what you got and what are you thinking about. Tell Naz. Um, right. So I have a very old Mercedes B170, um, 2006. Um, and I got it for a really, really good price at uh, 12000 And it has 220Ks on it, something like that. Yeah. Uh, all right. And the problem with that is that, um, well... I took it on the test drive and it drove beautifully. Um, it was smooth. It was quiet as um, an old Mercedes. But um, thing is, it broke the very first morning. The next day, <laughs> uh, not a perfect start then. Um, yeah, I, I I drove it like twice. Um, but yeah, um, I sent it back to the guy who was um, actually my mechanic, yeah. and he's great. Um, but yeah, so one of the transmission speed sensors broke so yeah um, it, it's been a month now that's the issue okay and you're yeah. and you're looking for advice on what to do exactly okay yeah. now it's over hey, to you. hey ben i'm sorry to hear about that it, the story started really well great value mercedes <laughs> smooth test drive and then it all went terribly wrong unfortunately the day after you bought it uh sadly ben Gearboxes and transmissions are very, very complicated units. And although we can swap out certain sensors like speed sensors and things like that, um, if you're getting gearbox warning messages on your car, it's pretty alarming. Now, look, having said that, you've already paid for this part. This part should be arriving in next month or so. And fingers crossed, you put it in and it solves the problem. But if it doesn't, I would get rid of the car straight away. And I don't want to blame anyone and I don't want to judge anyone, but it might be the reason why you got the car so cheap in the first place. I don't know if it's a coincidence that the light came on the following day. Um, these these uh, these warning lights on speed sensors and gearbox warning issues, they're quite sporadic. So even though it doesn't always come on, sometimes it always comes on when the gearbox is cold or the gearbox is hot. I'd honestly speak to the previous owner and just say, look, let's be honest about this. Did you know about this? Has it happened before? Can you guide me on a repair? Can you offer me a bit of like money back as a gesture of goodwill? But with that kind of mileage and that age, if it doesn't get fixed with the speed sensor, my advice would sadly be get rid of it and find something else because it will not stop. All right, Ben, does that yeah. help at all? That is, um, yeah, I think I, I just needed um, some advice like exactly like that. That's right. That's why Naz is here. He's a voice of reason. <laughs> so humbled. <laughs> Good on you, Ben. Bless you. Thank Thanks you. so much indeed. Uh, right, let's go to line one. Stanley's joining us this morning. Morning, Stan. Hi, good morning. How are you doing? We're good, my friend. Hope you're good. Tell me more. Okay, uh, I got a Nissan X-Trail. And uh, it is 2014 white color. 
it's completely managed by uh, the and uh, it has done 185000 and it's absolutely in a spanking condition uh, no issues absolutely so i am just wondering what would be the cost and it would be advisable to go in for a new one the the new x-ray yeah uh Thank you for calling in, Stanley. Honestly, they're great cars, and I'm, I'm sure your experience with Nissan dealers has been quite good here because they're relatively inexpensive to service, and these things just keep on going as long as you maintain them. Uh, in terms of today's market value, I'd say it's somewhere around the low 30s, 30, 35,000. Um, the, the advantage of upgrading in your particular case is mm-hmm. there's a facelift model that comes shortly after. So it just looks a lot newer. You know, the 2014 looks quite dated now, doesn't it? So my advice yeah. would be, if you are happy with the X-Trail, you know, sell yours for another 15, 20,000 dirhams on top. You get the facelift shape. It looks a lot more modern. That shape ran until all the way up until 2019. And uh, I'd say it's definitely worth the upgrade now while your car's still in good condition. Okay, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Good on you, Stanley. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Right, Stanley, uh, giving us a call, uh, as has Nelson. And Naz, word of warning, I think you and Nelson are going to get on. I know uh, that you like a certain brand of car. (laughs) And I think Nelson might have one. Morning, Nelson. (laughs) Good morning. Uh, Tell us more what you got. Okay, so I've I've got uh, two cars that I would just like to do price check with you guys. So one is a Porsche Carrera um, uh, 4S convertible with uh, 43,000 kilometers only. Um, That's car number one. Car number two is a... So the Porsche is from 2011. The the second car, um, because I got you guys, the experts on the line, is an FJ Cruiser from 2007... The uh, with five hundred thousand kilometers. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Did you put most of that mileage on? All of it. We bought it brand new. Yeah. So, so you've got you've got a FJ Cruiser that has ten times the mileage of a Porsche. Which car do you prefer driving, though? Oh, we, the the FJ Cruiser is the is the the daily drive, right? You know, take yeah, 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 yeah. And it's. And it's super reliable. Now, these things um, are bulletproof, Porsche, honestly. And, and the Porsche is, is for the fun of it, you know, and it's an amazing uh, driving experience. Obviously. Yeah. Well, look, let's get the uh, FJ out of the way very quickly so we can talk about the okay. Porsche. <laughs> uh, FJ, look, these things, like you said, they're absolutely bulletproof. And even if the engine were to blow up, worst case, I'm sure you can go down Charger, pay 15 grand, get a new engine in. Having said that, it is an old car. It is extremely high mileage. Um yeah. Today's market, I'd say fifteen to twenty thousand dirhams. If you find the right person, now what are you going to do with that? My advice would be, if it's running good, just keep it as that spare car uh, in the driveway. You know, you move in house, taking the dogs out, going camping, having that weekend drive. It's for fifteen, eighteen grand. You're better off just keeping it, really. Right now, right. in terms of the Porsche, you know this this Porsche has had quite a journey. I mean, to have forty three thousand kilometers from new. Uh, I don't know of any other 4S's in 2011 that have that low that low kilometers. Um, also, it's the PDK version, as you know, it's the 2010 and above, which makes it quite limited. It's the 997.2 variant, and it's the convertible. Um, so I'm going to tell you something really interesting, Nelson. If you were to sell, if you were to have sold this car three years ago, you probably would have got around 130, 135. 
Today's market, however, has just gone absolutely crazy with these 997 Porsches. I'd say closer to 200,000 dirhams, really. Wow. Wow, wow okay. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I had in mind. Okay, yeah, around 190, 200. But you know what? You're the only one out there that's got a convertible for us at low mileage at the moment. So you can put this up at 209, 219. Just sit back and wait, and you may just find that right buyer. Excellent. Thank you very much. Good All on you, Nelson. Well done to you, Nelson. Thanks so much indeed for that uh, message. Um, feel free to share it with the family or just keep it to yourself as well. Some good news coming through on a Saturday morning. That's what Naz does. Uh, he delivers good news, bit of bad news every, every now and again, but mostly good news. Uh, let's get over to Daniel. What's going on this morning? Everyone's doubling up. Everyone's everyone's heard the fact that it's the free advice and they've said, you know, forget one car, but we'll get two we're cars. Uh, Daniel, tell us about your double automotive headache at the moment hey guys i'm stacking one of these cash moving positions got two cars that are getting a little bit older and trying to figure out what to get so starting with uh 2008 jeep wrangler uh the two-door uh, sports it's got 250 nearly 55,000 k on the clock and then i've got a f-150 2012 high rider with the five liter engine that's only got a hundred thousand k on the clock but I'm trying to, they're both starting to cost a bit of money to maintain and that. And I'm thinking, do I get something new or do I turn the Jeep into a toy and stretch the F-150 out for a few more years? Um, which, hey, thanks for the call, Daniel. Which car do you prefer driving? Uh, both. Uh, <laughs> if you had to choose one. I love that. But I, I was thinking about going for another bigger Jeep or bigger truck. Yeah, I mean, you can you can you, you you can see from your experience. I mean, both of these two are relatively easy to maintain. They drive really well, but they're two completely different cars, right? The Jeep Wrangler is a bit more rugged. Obviously, it's a manual. It's a bit more rough and ready. Whereas the F one fifty is, it's actually more comfortable. It's almost a cruiser, isn't it? You can get on the highway and feel a lot more comfortable. So. It's really a tough one because if I was in your position, I'd probably get one newer car. And, you know, you want something sporty by the sounds of the Wrangler. You also want something comfortable and um, and uh, maybe a pickup as well. Have you looked at the Raptors recently? 2015-16 Raptors? Ford Raptor? Yeah, I have. They keep, my, my, my view on all of them is at the moment, the second-hand ones are stupidly priced. Or either that or I must just change my value on so there, I think you can sell your car so that, you know, off the top of my head, really, you know, the Jeep for 40, the 45 even, the, the, the High Rider for 30. So you've got 70, 75 there. And that would get you a 2013, 14 F-150 Raptor, even a 15, if you find the right one. Uh, you know, something with reasonable mileage and a service history. And I honestly think you'll get the best of both worlds uh, and you'll have a lot of fun in a Raptor. And because they discontinued the bigger 6.2 engines, um, we all know fuel is relatively expensive here, so we can run a 6.2. And they're all going down to these, you know, EcoBoost and these V6s and things like that. I honestly don't think the Raptor is going to depreciate. So really long term, you're going to be in the money. All right, thanks. I appreciate it. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd always said the Raptor wasn't going to be the reliable option because I've only heard bad stories. Oh, no, these things are bulletproof. Like, I've seen them out in the desert and I've had a few myself. They really, really are good cars. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. That's but I hadn't even thought of going the Raptor route. I was looking at a Ranger, a diesel Ranger the other day, and I was sitting going, that's interesting. Go back to the route of Rangers and Highlights. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is interesting. I think while you're out here in the Middle East, get yourself a nice big guzzling V8, right? <laughs> Stick to the diesels when you go back home. <laughs> Daniel, t- sounds like sounds like you're out on the road. Turn that car around straight down to the Raptor garage and explain it to the wife a little later on, all right? All right, thanks, guys. Have an awesome day. And you, my friend, uh, all the best. A big thanks to Daniel. Right, we can squeeze Mohammed in as well, who's joined us live on the line. Morning, Mohammed. Thanks so much indeed for waiting for us. I understand you've got an Audi, is that right? That's right. Morning, guys. Morning. I've got an Audi 2015, um, doing 125,000 on the clock. Great car, greatly serviced with the Nabuda. Just a few nicks that you find from just driving around and in the parking and stuff. Love the car, but I'm wondering whether it's worth keeping it or not, or what the value is. Um, just started showing some some sort of issues with the suspension itself. So I'm a bit worried about what the repairs would end up being like and whether it's actually worth keeping it or not. Yeah, uh, thank you for calling, Mohammed. May I ask, um, what trim level is it? Does it say 35 on the back, 30, 45? It's uh, 35, yeah. This is 35. And is it the S-Line? It's not the S-Line. Okay. I mean, it's got the S-Line body kit, but it's not the S-Line, no. Okay. Um, honestly, I think they're great cars. You will expect to pay something towards maintenance. I mean, Audis, when they reach seven years old, or 125,000 kilometers, I'd honestly budget around seven to 10,000 dirhams a month in terms of maintenance, you know, bushes, engine mounts, uh, thermostats. These are the kind of things that tend to fail on these cars at this age. Um, yeah. Water pumps, coolant leaks, so you know things can go wrong. These are exactly, the, these are exactly the things that have started showing up. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're one step ahead. We're one step ahead. That's why we're here, Mohammed. Um, in terms of today's market price, I'd say around sixty-five, sixty thousand dirhams, somewhere there. Uh, but you know, you can spend ten thousand on it and keep it going. But then you can have another set of issues coming up in a year as well. You know, Audis, although they're great cars, and I'm a big fan of Audis and German cars. They just don't fare too well here in the heat when they reach seven, eight, nine years old. So if you do have a budget, 20, 30,000 more, maybe upgrade to something a little bit new with a little bit less mileage and long-term, I think you'll be saving. All right, fantastic. Fix it or flip it. Couldn't be simpler. You send us the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. You send it to text message 4001, WhatsApp on 04871 and we'll put that question to Naz Chowdhury, who's with us for the next eight minutes. So get them in now, please. In fact, let's get to the lines, because on line number two, a proud, well, I assume he's a proud Lexus owner, Anil joining us this morning. Morning, Anil. Morning. Tell us about your Lexus. Yeah, sure. So it's a Lexus 570, which I bought in 2010. It's done 190,000 kilometers so far. Uh, I've had it serviced by Lexus for the first five, six years, and then after that by Dynatrade. And I was wondering, the the condition is excellent, so there's there's nothing wrong with the car. But I was wondering whether uh, this is the right time to uh, sell it, or should I wait for a year or two before I... Uh, you know, pick up a new vehicle, which is probably going to be the same model again. Uh, thanks for the call. And great question, really. Now, with these Lexuses, as we, I think this is the third Lexus call it we've is. had today. Um, these More things, are brought to you by Lexus on Saturday morning. <laughs> Sponsored by Alpha Team. No. <laughs> um, this, uh, these cars are bulletproof. Like, you've had 190,000 kilometers of relatively, you know, 
problem-free motoring. And this thing will go on for another 190,000 kilometers. They're absolutely bulletproof. Now, in terms of pricing, I mean, what are the things that we consider when we upgrade a car, right? You know, how much money am I going to make? How much is it going to cost me? Ultimately, that is the million-dollar question. And to answer this for you, this car will not depreciate much more. You know, it's dropped to, you know, where it, the lowest, right? 60, 70, 80,000 dollars, somewhere there. And if you use this car over the next two years or so, I really don't see it dropping any more than that. So really, you've hit the max depreciation curve, and this thing's just going to cost you nothing to run for a year or two. How's that sound? That sounds great, because then I can just uh, decide when to sell it, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, look, just, just to fast forward, if you're, not, if you're not in a rush, I'd say the best times to sell this car, uh, September, October, and actually... Okay. Feb, March. These are the two seasons, right? Because, you know, schools are starting, people are getting back, they want the bigger four by fours. Uh, just avoid selling it in summer and avoid selling it in December. Um, so you've got plenty of time to think about it and plan ahead for 2023. Thank you so much. Good on you, Anil. Thank you very much indeed. Let's go to line number two quickly where we're waiting with Deepak. Deepak, Toyota Land Cruiser, is that right? Hi. Very good morning. Yeah, that's true. Tell us a few, a few more of the details. Uh, this is a white color, uh, spec and span, absolutely no issues with the body or engine or suspension, nothing. It has done 225,000 kilometers. It is 2013 model. Uh, just wondering, should I, because I, I love this car, I, I love driving this, okay? And mm. I drive every day like uh, around 100 kilometers. Mm. So just wondering, should I give this up and uh, go in for a smaller electric vehicle or... Wow, yes, that's a big change. <laughs> like, honestly, you it's going to be very hard to adapt. You've got a big, bulky, you know, V8, uh, you know, that's got presence on the road. You know, you can hear the engine. You can hear everything going on under the bonnet to a very yeah. quiet EV. So, look, it all depends on your requirements, really. I mean, you've got, you know, a big car that holds lots of people, and an EV is a completely, completely different class of car. Um, yeah. So it all depends on what your requirements are. I mean, if it's just you on your own and you just want to drive something different, um, what I would probably do is rent an EV for a couple of days first. I know there's one or two <laughs> okay. companies that do that. And I think you'll be able to answer your own question very quickly because it's quite a big decision to make and you don't want to sell this, get into something else and then end up regretting it, right? <laughs> Deepak, thank you very yeah. much indeed. Hope that okay. helps. Thanks, Big thanks to Deepak. Uh, we're going to wrap things up with... Uh, Robin, who's got a nice uh, car. Robin, good morning to you. Happy Saturday. Good morning, guys. How are you? Very morning. well indeed. <laughs> Intrigued to know more about your vehicle. Tell us more. Fantastic. So I bought an SL63 Mercedes in 2016, um, and it had 72,000 kilometers on the clock when I bought it. Um, it now has about 92,000 kilometers. I've done about 20,000 since then. I've probably spent about 160,000 mm. sort of bringing it up to new spec. I've, I've changed um, anything and everything that was potentially could go wrong or has gone wrong. Um, and I'm just in the process of wondering whether I should change it or whether I should just hold on to it um, for the fun. Hey, Robin, thank, great car, by the way. I can definitely give you some advice on this. But before I do that, may I ask, what year is it? Did you buy it new in 2015, or was it a used car? Uh, no, 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 sorry. It was 2009. Forgot that. 2009. Now, honestly, that's the sweet spot. These are really, really good cars, and I can guess exactly what's gone wrong with your car. You've had the ABC issues from the hydraulic suspension. You've had hydraulic issues from the roof as well, probably, right? 
Oh, absolutely. I've done everything. So it's all from the door, still under warranty, done it with the... Yeah, with the, the little trims on the door device. panel always fall off as well and they get Brits on all the little <laughs> plastic trims inside. Like, very, very common problems with these cars. But honestly, look, in terms of value, where else are you going to get a 63 Mercedes, a discontinued engine, definitely a future classic, um, for, for the value of today's market? I mean, my advice would be to keep hold of it. And uh, yes, you may have some running costs along the way. It's going to cost you a bit. It sounds like you've got all the big stuff out of the way now. Uh, but it is a very, very, very special car. And it will not go down in value, Robin. Um, do you know what it's worth today? No idea. I bought it for 128 um, when, when I got it in 2016. It's probably worth the same amount today. And I don't think that number will drop anytime soon. Perfect. Well, I'll just hold on to it. You might get a call <laughs> from the wife, though. Well, if you do want to get rid of it... <laughs> Call me, I'll buy it, and then you'll get a call from my wife. How about that? <laughs> Deal. <laughs> Absolute pleasure, Robin. Good on you, Robin. Bless you. Thanks very much, Dave. Nice one to wrap up on there, that's for sure. Uh, and we, I would say, we're going to say a big wrap up to uh, our man Naz as well. Uh, Naz, uh, you mentioned there to Robin if he, he does want to sell it to call you. How do people get in touch with you, Naz? I think the easiest way is Instagram, really. NazDubai underscore. Nice and easy. NazDubai underscore, yeah. Yeah. Good to have you in, mate. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Anything Always very for the humbled. weekend? Uh, there's, a, there's a car show, actually. It's is called it? the, uh, Grand Picnic, something or other. It's been organized by some guys at Flat 12 in Safa Park. So all, everyone's just bringing their classic cars. It's be really nice. Grand Picnic, I think it's called. What are you so, taking? Which car are you taking then? I'm not. I'm just going to be a civilian. It's going to be walking around. <laughs> he's going to go down with the checkbook. No, no, the doing. honest truth is I didn't register in time. Otherwise, I'd have definitely taken something. <laughs> Good Registration's closed. Really appreciate yeah. it. We will catch up with you in a fortnight's time. Uh, this is Motor Mania. Another hour coming your way shortly.